The Alberta Junior Hockey League playoffs continue, and the voice I would suggest of the league, uh, but officially of the Okotoks Oilers, is Gino DePauli, and he joins the program now. Gino, how's it going, sir? So excited for my first visit to the Couch Potato Diary podcast. Uh, very kind words to say I'm the voice of the league, because there's a lot of older broadcasts in this league that probably have something to say about it, but... I'll take it. I'll take it from PK any day. Well, you're the official voice of the Alberta Junior Hockey League of this podcast anyway. Uh, there you go. N- none of them have come close so far. Uh, <laughs> you are calling the Okotoks Oilers against Blackfalls, a series that could end tonight. Uh, the series is at 3 nothing, And when you see that, it would tend to indicate potentially a lopsided series. Uh, is that the case for this one? Well, to be honest, the first two games, Peter, no. It was a really tight matchup between Black Falls and Okotoks in Okotoks for games one and two. And the first game was a 4-1 victory. It took a, a Bowden-Singleton breakaway on a turnover by the Bulldogs to get them in the opportunity to go up 3-1, and then they get the net and make it 4-1. And if it wasn't for former Calgary Hitman goaltender, which we, of course, kind of broaden out here in Calgary, if it wasn't for him in game two, Black Falls could have easily at least tied that game at two in the third period and even in the second and could have been in overtime. So who knows there last night, it was a six, three victory for the Oilers. They got out to a quick start. They led three, nothing after one. It was even crazier when the first goal happened, 53 seconds in for Bowden Singleton about three minutes later, Ty carrier for Black Falls had a wide open cage. And if you haven't gone onto the Oilers Twitter account and seen the Jack McNaughton save of the series, I advise you go do that because he literally came from the farthest angle and pulled both both of our groins, Peter, at the same <laughs> time doing the save. And after that, Regal Lorenz snipes one and Brett Huxley scores in the first and it was off to the races. It wasn't until late in the third period. Black Falls gets a couple on a sort of a shot from in between the red and the blue line that took the nastiest one hopper to beat Jack McNaughton. He's been unbelievable in this series and that's why he was named the Oilers MVP of the year and nominated for goalie of the year in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He's, he's just so calm, cool, and collective. He wasn't happy with the way things went in the end of that game, but it wasn't his fault. When you're up 6-1 at one point, he was allowed to burn a couple, but that's just the pride that Jack has, and he's been really good in this series, and he'll have to be if the Oilers want to sweep or at least get out of this first round and with minimum games played. Um, you mentioned uh, a couple of things in there. One, that save. I, I saw you posted it. You said it was a save. Like, I could see it on the tweet. Save. And then I watched it, and I was still amazed that he actually stopped it. Like, it was it was that good that I knew a save was coming, and uh, still was uh, surprised by the save. You talked to uh, uh, McNaughton was on, on my list of things to talk about, so I guess we can go a little bit further there. Uh, it, it certainly seems like uh, a hot three games isn't just a hot stretch. This has been uh, a, a wonderful season for the the Oilers goaltender well Jack came in and he had a shutout in his first two games that he played for the Oilers came in after he got released from the Calgary Hitman as a 20 year old and the team was this is the youngest team in the Alberta Junior Hockey League the average age I believe is like 17.4 years of age they've carried a lot of underagers this year and Jack's one of the oldest players on this team and he had to come in and solidify goaltending for Parker Saka who wasn't quite ready to take the role even though he's had some great games late in the season he's beaten Brooks but for Jack, he, he's become a leader again, and he has a little bit of a swagger to him, a very calm swagger about him that gets him into a really good spot to be successful. Every time he was in the net, the Oilers had a chance to win, which kind of gives you that, <laughs> I guess, a Mika, Mika Kippersop approach where you have no business winning a hockey game, but somehow you're in it till the end if you want to go that direction. He's been that good, and 
he's an incredible human being. I try to kind of see what kind of kids are going to get out of the Western Hockey League when they come to Junior A. It's Sometimes it's a vacation for players. They don't really have their minds completely set. They may not be going to school. Jack's got aspirations to play some pro hockey and also try and get a good U Sports job here in the fall. And uh, hopefully he can, I think he has some aspirations to be either at an MRU or be close to home in Calgary with the Dinos. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some pro offers. If he continues to have this good playoff stretch, somebody's going to look at him and he might have that opportunity. Uh, a couple of other guys who are, are potentially looking at, at next steps. Uh, a couple of guys who you have mentioned, uh, Rieger Lorenz with five points in three games so far uh, at last check, number 24 for North American skaters on uh, central scouting. How has he looked in this series? Obviously five points in three games. He certainly hasn't sucked. No, he never has sucked. <laughs> He's been really good as a member of the Oak Tokes Oilers. Uh, one HHL Rookie of the Year just recently, 84, 85 points on the season. He was really good out of the gates. He never truly had a poor stretch of play until maybe the late parts of the season. I think he went pointless in three straight games. But, of course, he played Brooks a couple of times in that time frame, and you had to play some heavier hockey, and you had to defend more than having to score. And, I think Rieger has all the tools. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He has that great NHL shot, and he has the aspirations. He's going to the University of Denver, which has tr- created some pretty good hockey players of late. And he is kind of um, the pedigree of his father, Terry, who was four years at the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, and was the captain of the Irish in his last year way back in the day. So I've been watching Rieger since he was actually 15 years old at the Alberta Cup in the same for his linemate Bowden Singleton, which I know you're going to ask me a little bit about too, but same boat. He had a Bowden's story is a little bit different. Uh, smaller guy, five foot nine. He didn't score a goal for 14 to the last 14 games of the regular season. What does he do in game one? Scores the biggest goal of the series to make it a 3 1 victory. And it was a, a breakaway. It was beautiful. Then he had that going to the net drive in the playoffs. Playoffs was something that Bowden needed to get to just to get to that next step in his game. He's going to the University of North Dakota. I don't know when, but it looks like we could see Bowden Singleton back in the Alberta Junior Hockey League next year, and he could be a dominant force. And it's still up in the air if Rieger will be going to Denver as a true freshman. That's always a really tough uh, build to answer. Uh, Dylan Holloway did it. Uh, Kale McCarr didn't even do it as a true freshman. He kind of came in after his 18-year-old season. And it, it's, a, it's a daunting task, but when you're ranked as the way you are, uh, you can kind of see teams that are kind of in that late first rounder that are they going to trade their first rounder at the NHL draft to maybe try and load up or are they keep you that to try and sneak in and get that late pick and Rieger Lorenz has kind of got him slated in that 25 to 30, 32 spot in the first round or a very early second is kind of where I think a lot of the experts have him pegged right now and he has been terrific. Uh, it's a really good 17 year old class in that 2004 born birthdays of course that would be you and I would have been in grade 10 when that all started for those young human beings so it, it's 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 getting a culture shock each year where I see these speed arms I'm like getting older getting yeah. older it's embarrassing yeah I, I still where, where am I at <laughs> well hey um yeah, I I'm still playing games from 2004 I, I still somewhere in here have NHL 2004 so uh the fact that there was, are that, human... was that again on the front of that one or no that's oh three uh oh four was split uh because Danny Heatley oh, mm-hmm. oh yes um, oh, and okay. then uh and then oh. Joe Hackey uh Joe oh, Joe Hackey Jesus Joe Sackick 
Um, oh. And I've I've actually owned both covers, so I, I, I have the covers covered. Um, back to the, this series, uh, because you answered all the questions I had about the prospects. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> prospects but, is something I talk about a lot. Yes. Okay. No. And I, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're, we're so in sync on this. You've done that a couple of times where I've just scratched a couple questions off. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as this series goes, uh, like you said, last night, maybe a bit more of a, a one-sided one for Okotoks going into tonight's game. If there is a banana peel that the Oilers could slip on, has there been kind of something that Black Falls could exploit tonight? They might start getting goals on Jack McDonald. It'd probably be hmm. the only thing right now because Jack has made not only that save that was kind of on social media last night, just how he, they've had open nets and they haven't finished. They're 0 for 9 on the power play tonight or going into tonight. So they haven't had any special teams. They've had one shorthanded goal. And before those two goals late, you're looking at a team that scored three goals in the last three games. They have to start throwing grenades. And that's one of my new favorite terminologies to throw out there is throw grenades towards the goal and see what happens. And they did that. They scored once on Jack McNaughton late and, and it kind of got him off his game. So I think the Bulldogs, if they're going to have any chance, they have to continue to keep their structure, but they just seem to forget from time to time who they're playing. And they get caught a lot on odd man rushes, but the Oilers at the same time, they're young. They are bound to make mistakes and they haven't, they've only, they only made a couple mistakes last night. So, those are the kind of the spots you're in. To my knowledge, and I had to look at this, and I've looked a couple times, no team in the Alberta Junior Hockey League has come back from an 0-3 deficit to win a series. So hmm. maybe the Bulldogs being the first team to do that in their first season as an expansion team, that would be wild. Obviously, if I want to have a happy bus a couple more times, I'd rather it be done tonight so we can have a good weekend where I could just sit back and watch. But this is the only series that's gone is only one sided with one team winning. There's been there were splits in the first two in every series except one. So right now everybody's in game four and they'll all have game fives. Yeah. Um Blackfalls, this is kind of their their maiden voyage this season. Um obviously it did, the season didn't start well. Throwing them to Brooks was a choice. Um, they, that was their choice. They picked the schedule, who they wanted really? to play. And they wanted the top team in the in the AJHL and I, I will digress. I called a 13 nothing loss to the Brooks Bandits late in the season. So I feel the Bulldogs. Came <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it reminded me, uh, and no one wants to hear about my high school basketball time, but we're going to talk about it anyway. My coach um, in my first year of high school basketball put us against a team that was a division above us and a team that was a division below us um, for <laughs> our first two games. And they both went predictably. Like our the point differential might have been plus five, but we lost the first one by like 40 <laughs> and won the next one by 45. And he said, we, we want you to know what it's like to lose and we want you to know what it's like to win. So maybe uh, maybe Blackfold's going with that, with the, the Brooks. Um, idea, but how has year one gone from at least your vantage point uh, of seeing what you have from Black Falls so far sitting in their booth currently? Well, uh, Black Falls, they had a really great end of the season as they were seven and three in the month of February to kind of climb out a seventh and sixth, and they overtook the Canmore Eagles for fifth. And I, we kind of predicted that they would finish fifth, we just didn't see it for the it just took till the last week of the season to get there. I thought they would have been a little bit better, but. They really they didn't play in this building till about November or sorry it was early December they played their first games in this very building they were on mm. the road a lot so they got some home games in they haven't had the crowds to be honest Peter uh, they got it last game they got about 650 in this 1500 seat it's it's a beaut this is what the model of junior A franchise should go for there's a lot of places like Sherwood Park that are trying to get a new arena that has 3500 seats or Lloydminster wants 2500. 
And even when you look at maybe just go down to about a 1500 or 2000 seat arena and fill that every night would be a little bit of a better way that way as the rinksman is top of the line. The only thing I'll say, the acoustics, it's kind of like a tin can in here. I don't think they got that finished in time. So it gets mm. very echoey in here, but they're finally playing at home. And I think there is some momentum and Doug Quinn's got some very good pull here. He's been a longtime coach in the Alberta U18 AAA ranks. He won league championship, won two Dallas cups with the Red Deer Optimus Chiefs. One of his assistants is Brady Backey, who scored a game winning goal in overtime. So he's got connections in central Alberta, which is a hockey hotbed. And I see Black Falls with their, when you have the shiny new car, everybody wants to drive it at least once, right? And they're signing good players out of U18s and getting those committed NCAA players to come play here because why wouldn't you want to play here? It's a great place to play. The rink's nice. It's one of the richest franchises in the league. And I'm not afraid to say that. If you look up Doug Quinn, what he does, he's worth a lot of money. Like, sorry, that's... That's the way life is. So mm-hmm. I I think Black Falls is going to continue to be on the up and up if they can get their structures in, the players they want. Then, of course, they made voyage. They started from nothing. They had no players because they bought the Calgary Mustangs and relocated. And the Mustangs were always a 4-5 team in the AJHL when Tyler Drader was there at the end. So to say that there's room for growth is an understatement with this team, with the facility that they have, it, first and foremost. And you even look at the NCAA hockey, football, wherever you want to go play, everybody does a fly down. Everybody has a tour. A lot of time, kids these days are looking at the shiny red ball and what they can play with most when they're not playing the sport, and Black Vaults has all that. It's a population of 9,000, so maybe a little bit smaller, but you are you can throw a rock at Red Deer. You're close to Sylvan Lake. You're not far from Edmonton. You're not far from Calgary. So it's a really good central spot to be in, and it can create, and hopefully the fans see that, and we'll start coming to more games here. So I think it's been a little tough for them to get the crowds out when they've wanted to because they had so many jam-packed home games late in the season. Right. And obviously, there was kind of something going on in the world over the last Yeah, bit there's been a few things away. that have happened. Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, you're focused on, on one main season, but I also know you just eat all this stuff up. Anything else postseason-wise that's kind of caught your attention? Like you said, th- this is the only one that's at 3-zip. Um, anything else kind of raising the eyebrows of uh, Gino DiPaoli? Well, <laughs> I... To be honest, the Calgary Canucks shutting out Drumheller in game one of the South quarterfinal was very interesting, as you and I are both advocates for Team Chaos. That's what mm-hmm. we want to see. And then Canmore split with Camrose in game number two of that best of seven. So that was split in the South Division. The Oilers don't, like, if everything just stays the way it is, they're playing Brooks in the second round. Not the worst thing where it comes to having people in the stands and having good hockey. But you would like that to be your South final, and you were hurt so much you didn't get mm-hmm. the chance to get to that second or third seed in the in the south and i'm looking at i want to see maybe an upset i thought maybe canmore might have done it they were down one but they lost so they're both they're all down two one i guess maybe the big one right now is drayton valley and lloyd minster drayton valley won the first two games and it was another four or five matchup both games were in overtime they're up five one in game three in lloyd minster what does lloyd minster do they explode for seven straight goals and win eight to five <laughs> game number three so i'm thinking yes like that that series i hope goes seven and the same with Bonneville and Whitecourt. Uh, Whitecourt won the first two games in Bonneville as a sixth seed. So we might have some upsets coming our way. And don't even rule out Sherwood Park against Fort McMurray. The mob are the second seed. They lost the opening game in overtime, and they've won two straight. So that could still go either way. There's a great storyline there. Former Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach Adam Ann, and now the head coach in Fort McMurray. So 
that's been a really good first round. Now, the playoffs have not disappointed right now in the AJHL in at least the first round of the quarterfinals. Uh, as far as Okotoks is concerned, you mentioned it there, and we've mentioned it a few times on the uh, the Twitch stream as well, uh, about how injuries have been a bit of an issue for the Okotoks Oilers um, so far this season and during the regular season. Um, in terms of that, any reinforcements coming for this postseason, or what we see is what we get at this point? Uh, that's, a, that's a coin flip, Peter, uh, because we had – Brendan Boyle, who was injured in the start of February, he came back and was a 20-year-old from the Western League, and he gets a shorthanded goal last night. Uh, but out came Ethan Jamernick again. He's been hurt again. He was really good in the first three games of the series. He will not play tonight as we have his tape for game four. Uh, still no Carter Mass here. He's got an upper body shoulder injury, injury that is nagging, and I don't know if he's coming back. He's going to need surgery in the offseason, so you're going to just run it till your arm falls off or play it safe. Tucker McCray hurt his hand in a fight late in the season against Calgary. That's your captain. He might be back for round two. And Sam Huck, also a key member of that 17-year-old group who's committed to Western University or Western Michigan University, is not in the lineup. He has not played since the finale against Blackball. So that's an undisclosed injury. And they're piling up really fast. And the Oilers have gone for every game of this series with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, even hmm. though they've had the choice to go to 12 forwards. They just like what they have, a depth of defense. They only have two 20-year-olds on the defense core. So the, the defense should get better next year, you would think, by the process of elimination and the age of everybody coming up through the ranks. Um, last one for you, uh, Brooks as a number one seed. Uh, it, it seems like at this point, when they put up those brackets, that might just be part of the template now. Um, mm -hmm. is, is this another season of it's Brooks's world and everyone's living in it, or is there some potential vulnerability with the Bandits this year? Well, Spruce Grove's good out of the north. Like, I don't sleep on them. Brooks has lost some really strange games this year. They lost to Okotoks. They've lost to Drumhiller twice. So don't sleep on those two teams, at least for the moment. And Okotoks beat them once randomly, too. So it was really – there hasn't been any inconsistencies to their game, but when you pretty much seal your division by Christmas, what are you actually playing for? Like, right. I don't blame these kids for maybe taking a night off. But Ryan McAllister – Almost broke some scoring records in the AJHL. Over 130 points. He was the MVP. Uh, TJ Hughes had 64 goals to end the season for the Bandits. And that was a first time. A first time in Bandit history, someone hadn't scored more than 50 goals. No one had scored 50 until TJ Hughes. And then Ryan McAllister, ho-hum. Oh, I'll just get 50 as well. So they've had a, they've had a really good first line with Devin Phillips also there. He's just got a, I think he had a mere 27 goals on the season, had plenty of assists. But McAllister and Hughes, Zach Bookman as a rookie, he was an 04, just like Riga Lorenzo was nominated for Rookie of the Year. 101 points as a defenseman. He uh, beat a guy named Kale McCarr and for that record, and Gore Thibodeau with the all time record of defenseman in the AJHL. So there's a lot of good players on this roster. I'll be curious to see how their goaltending can take them. Ethan Bark's been steady, but he's lost a couple of rough games. So can you get to him? And, but this team is systematically sound. Ryan Papuano is coach of the year for a reason. He doesn't suck at coaching. He knows how to get his team going. His structure and systems are the best in Western Canada and probably the country itself. And that says a lot because there's some great BCHL teams that are no longer part of the CJHL because they split off. And we don't get that. So whoever wins the AJ has got a really good chance of winning the Centennial Cup, which is in Estevan this year in late May is now the new scheduling for that one. So... Really intrigued. It is Brooks's world for the most part. 
But Spruce Grove has had a really good season in the North Division. Again, ho-hum. Again, Brooks yeah. or Spruce Grove is really good in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not concerned with how they're going to be in the playoffs. They should get to round three. Of course, if the Oilers play Brooks in round two, uh, you know, let's hope it goes seven and go from there and have the, just more chaos. I want the chaos till the end of time. We sat back for two years and didn't have any. So in that aspect. So I, I will never take a playoff game for granted again. Fair enough. Uh, Gino, uh, like I said, the best to do it in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. I did not stutter. I can say that. Maybe you can, but I can say it. Um, where, where can people find your stuff, sir? Jeez, uh, I don't have that much stuff anymore. Uh, my Twitter handle, I guess, is GDP underscore PXP because my name's too long for anybody to have characters. So I do a lot of Twitter. Uh, Instagram, same handle. I am trying the Twitch a little bit. It's GDP underscore PXP. We're doing a... Um, Inspired by Peter Klein on the Couch Potato Diary podcast and watching you made my days at work a lot better by watching you play. And I could just chat and be an armchair, random 90s NHL yeller. Yeah. And got the 2002 Team Canada All-Stars. I picked like nine players forwards and four defensemen and my goaltenders are out of whack. I'll maybe summarize that in a second. And I've grabbed a bunch of HHL alumni. So Kale McCarr and Jacob Bernard Docker are my third defense behind Scott Niedemeyer, Al McInnes, uh, Chris Pronger, and Scott Niedemeyer all in that. So, oh, and Rob Blake as well. Mm. And Adam Foote's my seventh defenseman. So oh, of course. Really, it's working out great. Ed Belfort, Dominic Hasek, and Jack McNaughton are my goaltenders. So <laughs> they've got them in the game. Rhett Gardner, uh, Anthony Petrozelli, Derek Lodemeyer. Uh, a lot of rant. Like, obviously, there's some guys from pro, John Edward a former Oilers in the game. So I got him and that's what I do. I don't do it often trying to get a little better at the old Twitch game, but we'll get there. But just a big fan of what everybody else is doing to make things entertaining. So that's what I do. And you can spot me at Can-Am Wrestling on March 24th in Okotoks. There you go. Nice. Uh, well, Gino, awesome. Uh, awesome stuff as always, sir. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy hopefully a bit of chaos in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And we'll be chatting again soon.